0: That's right. That's right. And we're live. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining me. Pinch punch, I suppose. Last day of the month. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining. I am... well, I am not pleased. And I'm going to tell you straight up, my friends, don't play this loud with your grandparents around. Don't play it! where the kids are don't play it at work and don't play it if you're sensitive to the kind of language your average sailor would exhibit if he woke up with an anaconda in his pants and i don't mean of the freddie mercury kind because i want to talk about i want to talk about venezuela and i want to talk about Socialism, And yes, I will get to the Ask Me Anything. If you want to drop a super chat in or I'll get regular chats as well. If you want to go to freedomainradio.com forward slash donate, please, please do. I don't mean to yell at you for donations, but please, freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. Help make up for the pillaging of views that is occurring on social media these days. But let's put that aside. Let's put that aside. Where are they? Damn it, where are they? Where are all the people who were licking the snake boots of power, who were praising Hugo Chavez, who were cheering on as the Venezuelan government seized by force the oil production and nationalized this and controlled that and price controlled the other Where These people were all cheering. Oh, we're sticking it to the banksters. We're sticking it to the oil men. He's taking back the resources for the people. He is a man of the people. Where where have they gone? Where have they gone? Now, today, I'm sure you saw that in Venezuela, there were protesters. And an army vehicle was driven over these protesters. You know that famous picture of the guy in Tiananmen Square, that young, incredibly brave young man standing in front of a line of tanks in Tiananmen Square, which, by the way, was horribly cold when I visited it. But anyway, he's standing there. It's an iconic picture, a man standing before a line of communist tanks. Now, I know that people were killed in Tiananmen Square, and I get all of that. But that picture, well, that changed in Venezuela today, because the military vehicle just mounted up and rolled over the protesters. Where are all the people who praised the socialist policies? the fuck is wrong with you people? Don't you have a conscience? At all? My God! I am... Paranoid about getting things wrong. Little things. Little things. And these people can get things wrong to the point where there are army trucks driving over unarmed civilians in the Venezuelan government that they loved and helped ascend into power on the foamy sea praise of their disgusting adulation. And this is how it plays out. How the fuck do you sleep at night? This is what you wanted. This is what you praised. This is what you pumped up. This terror. Women streaming across the border into Colombia, selling their bodies for food. Children being sold like side orders of fucking bacon. People without health care, people without food. The average Venezuelan has lost like two dozen pounds because they've got nothing to eat. And 2012, not that long ago, they took away the guns of oh, the Venezuelans because, you see, they... They just care so much about the Venezuelan people that they want to keep them safe from any harm, you see? So they just took away all their guns, and now what? There's not one human being alive who is going to take your guns with good intent. It's like a guy saying, hey, man, or hey, young lady, let's go on a date. Let's go on a makeout session, deep, dark in the Kennedy-esque woods. But one condition: you cannot bring your cell phone, and you sure as hell cannot bring a rape whistle, and no guns. <laughs> well, what do you think's going to happen? What is wrong with people? I, I, I keep, I keep running into this brick wall of my own stupidity. In that, I think that there are people out there that, at some point, their conscience has got to catch up with them. At some point, their conscience has, like at some point, don't they wake in the morning? Don't they wake in the morning and say, like three o'clock in the morning, some deep, deep, dark tea time of the soul, don't they wake up? Don't they have a dream about the horrors that they've unleashed on the world, on these poor people in Venezuela? Don't they wake up and say, fuck, I got that, man, did I get that wrong? I, I I praised a guy who created a system that turned into this semi-fascistic, half-totalitarian nightmare. Like the people who who praised the founding of communist North Korea, and now it's turned into this absolute nightmare, the world's biggest open-air prison camp, with starving people and broken people and abused people and I mean you got to see the sketches of people who've survived these North Korean concentration camps and just the terror that they have and the hatred that they have towards the guards who had power over them who did what every human being who thirsts for and gets power does which is Fuck everyone with it as hard as they can. That's what human beings do when they get power. Like we have these weird things we say, "Oh, you, Lord Acton," you say, "Lord Acton said the power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely," and I accept that. Now let's get the government to control food. Let's get the government to control medicine. Let's get the government to take all our weapons. Let's get the government to control prices and oil. And roads and everything, children's education, old age pensions, unemployment insurance, welfare state, food and goodies for single mothers, let's let the government control it all. But you know power corrupts and I accept that. Mm. What is people's major malfunction that they accept all of this and then still want to shovel bucket loads of human gristle into the power furnaces of the state. It's insane. No, no, I'm sorry, it's not. I apologize for that. I got that completely wrong. It's not insane, because that would actually be an insult to insanity, which is relatively harmless compared to the pumping up of the sociopathic oligarchy known as socialism. Crazy people, to some degree, keep to themselves. Crazy people can't destroy an entire economy. (sighs) You, You know, there's this old saying, you can't turn a whore into a housewife. Dunno, never really tried. But you know how you can turn a housewife into a whore? Just give her some socialism, and it'll work that way for sure because she'll not have any food, she'll not have any money, she'll not have any medicine for her kids, and she'll go and sell the only thing that God and the devil gave her that men will always pay for. She'll go and sell her soul, her body, her mind, never her heart, because that's never for sale. And where are the feminists? Well, of course, feminists are just useful idiots for socialists, right? Feminists are just socialists uh, in granny panties and. Comfortable shoes. Where are the feminists saying? Oh my gosh, these middle-class women are are, are are being forced to sell their bodies for groceries and medicine. They've been turned into prostitutes by socialism. Where are the feminists? Because the feminists are too busy complaining about mansplaining and manspreading and microaggressions. Microaggression. (laughs) Microaggressions. (sighs) Microaggressions, honey. Do you know in Venezuela they're breaking into zoos to eat the animals? In Venezuela they're eating their own pets. They're so fucking hungry. But he took up too much room on the subway. What kind of weird sociopathy do you have to have where that's something you think about or care about or even crosses your vacuous mind? Well, this is the big issue you want to talk about. Gender pronouns could be imprecise <laughs> you know there's a There's a video of a of a truck crash in venezuela and and people like there's a guy i don't know what happened to him i, I hope he's alive i don't know right but there's this guy in, in in the cabin of the truck he's just lying there he's bleeding i don't know if he's bleeding out or what he's lying there the hot trucks on its side and people are just climbing everywhere uh, they don't care they're not stopping to see if he's all right they just need to get to the goods to get to the food get to whatever they can get their hands on so they can sell so they can eat so they can live Why? Why? Why don't people care? Why? Why don't? How is it possible that you would elevate a mere ideology above this level of human suffering and human helplessness, and human degradation? What the fuck do you think it's like to be a woman who might have been married to a doctor, might have been an architect, could have been an account—I don't know—and you sit there and say, "Well, if I want to eat, I have to go and sell my body and let some." skeevy, seamy, half-shaven, body-odor, wife-beater-T-shirt-wearing guy, maul at my boobs and have sex with me just so I can get some food for my children. Can you imagine that being your day? Like, what is? where is people's compassion? Here's a weird thing. One day, it's conceivable, somewhere out there on the Internet, I could be called a racist. I, you see you know, I'm, I'm, obviously this is blue sky way out there at some point in the future. Somebody out there might call me a racist. But if people had listened to me about socialism in Venezuela and central planning, hundreds of millions of brown people would be infinitely better off. If they'd listened to me about gun control, if they'd listened to me about Chavez, if they'd listened to me about Madero, if they had listened to me about all of it. Tens or hundreds of millions of very brown people would be infinitely better off if people had listened. Not just for the past 15 years I've been doing this publicly, but for the past 35 years I've been doing this in any capacity and under any venue that I could possibly get a hold of. Whereas the people who promoted this socialism, who, who, who praised all of this socialism, I mean, the Michael Moores, the Sean Pans, the Noam Chomsky's, you take it back to power for the people. They're going to starve. They're going to eat zoo animals and pets and sell their children and sell their bodies who claim to be the champions of the working class they get to uh, like sail off into the fucking sunset like they just did all the good in the known universe and, and, just, and just cared for the people and that they're not racist at all. Despite the fact that their system is crushing the hopes, dreams, aspirations, lives, families, careers, potential, everything of these poor people in Venezuela. Now the poor people in Venezuela are not sitting there because they're in a state of extremist and emergency the road situation where they can only hope to find people in a basement they can eat. They're not sitting there saying, well, I guess I better brush up on the latest translations of the Misesian doctrines in Austrian economics. They're not. They're just, it's too late. It's it's too late for them. They They, they can't be saved by ideals anymore. Now they're just going to have to fight their way out or survive their way out or something like that because... Socialism creates this massive dependent class of people who will fight like hell to keep their unjust gains. It's an aristocracy. It's an aristocracy, what Ayn Rand used to call the aristocracy of Paul. God damn it. It's such a. Um, it's so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. It's so explained, it's so well understood, it's so predictable. And every day, it's like this Groundhog Day, except the groundhog is a vampire that bleeds out the jugular of any human potential hope or happiness you might have possessed. Socialism does the opposite of working. See, there's something that doesn't work. There's something that doesn't work, and then there's something that fucks you up completely, right? That's that's different, right? That's different. You know, you get a marijuana joint, and let's say it's just got tobacco in it. Well, it's not great for you, but, you know. Eh. And then there's, you know, maybe it's got, like, TNT in it, and it blows your fucking head off, right? See, That's like, well, you know, the drug is not great. <laughs> no, the drug just took your head off, right? There's stuff that doesn't work and then there's stuff that does the complete opposite of everything that works and undoes our very potential and actuality as human beings. It, to say socialism doesn't work is an insult to things that don't work. You know, like, like you, you got a bike stored for the winter, like maybe it's up on your wall, Seinfeld style, and, and you take it out. And you're like, hey, you got to pump up the tires. You know, <laughs> a little slide. you got to pump up the tires. You get out your bicycle pump, you attach it, and you... Now, if the bicycle pump doesn't work, it just doesn't inflate. Oh, that's a drag. Hey, look, it's not working. But if it explodes and takes out half the block for some reason, you know, if, if you've been annoying the mafia in pretty significant ways, what happens? Well, let's say your car doesn't work one morning. Right? Doesn't work, right? That's a drag. Oh, guess I better call a cab. Got to take a bus. Got to work from home today. Because the <laughs> car's not turning over. See, that's not working. But if the mafia have put 50 pounds of gelignite under your car and... Do <laughs> you say, oh, look, the car didn't work? It's not really that the car didn't... Okay, technically it's true that the car didn't work and that it didn't start up nicely and take you somewhere... But it blew up half the fucking block. So don't tell me socialism doesn't work. But the question is why? Why don't people understand this at this point? Why? Marxism has been around as, as theory and practice, well, theory for 150 plus years, practice more than 100 years. And it's the same time every time, same, same result every time, same thing every time. Why? Why? Because it's immoral, because it's evil. Because it slices and dices humanity into opposing classes with opposite moral properties. And since those opposing classes don't really exist in reality, you have to have an elite of murderously sociopathic, quote, philosopher kings who then substitute their coercive, violent power for all of the voluntary choices that might otherwise exist in a free market. That's why socialism doesn't exist it's anti-rational, it's evil, it's vainglorious, it's corrupting, and it destroys, and it destroys, and it destroys. So, why doesn't it work? It doesn't work because it violates property rights. You say, oh, property rights, but they're separate from human rights. No, they're not. Property rights are identical to what most people call human rights. Identical. Identical. Do you want the right to live? Well, you've got to have the right to property. Why? Because we need property in order to live. You can't live without food, and to consume food is to exercise property ownership over that food. Need a place to have shelter from the storm? Well, you've got to have property rights for walls and a roof. Do you want to have free speech? Well, you've got to have some place you can stand, something you can use, a microphone, a computer, an internet. You've got to have some place that you can have your free speech from. You want to have freedom of religion, you've got to be able to own a church, you've got to be able to go there, you've got to be able to say what you want to say. It's all about property. There are no human rights separate from property rights at all. You want to have a family, you have to establish that we own the effects of our actions. And if our actions are hot sex followed by gestation, followed by birth, well, we've created that child, therefore we own that child. Not as a slave, but as a potential human being. You can't have human rights without property rights. And see, that's the difference between the free market and socialism. See, uh, ideologically, there's freedom too, right? Freedom to go make your money, freedom to give your money to whoever you want, freedom to have charity, freedom to speak. There's other freedoms, freedoms too, freedoms to do stuff, free of violence, free of coercion. There's no such thing as freedom without freedom from coercion. That's the only thing that freedom means is freedom from coercion. That's all it means. Nobody's going to punch you in the face for doing your thing. That's that's all it comes down to. The freedom to go and act free of coercion. That's all it means. Now, you can have coercion in self-defense. I'm a big fan of self-defense. I'm not a pacifist. I get all of that. I'm just talking about when you're not raping, assaulting, trying to murder, or stealing from someone. Because if you steal from someone, you make them your slave. Right? Because if I work for five hours and and produce $100 worth of value and I go and buy something for $100 and you steal it, you just made me a slave for five hours. You enslaved me because you're taking my labor without my permission and that's slavery. Asterisk, see taxation. So you can't have any rights under socialism because you have no absolute right of property. Government can take whatever it wants. It can give you what it wants. It can withhold from you what it wants, either actively or passively. So you have no human rights without property rights. Human rights are property rights, and property rights are human rights. I challenge you, I dare you, to give me a right you want to exercise that does not involve property. You want the right to start a business? Well, you've got to be able to start that business. You've got to be able to rent and be secure in in. An office and and computers and some bullshit corporation papers that are only there to protect the rich and are not part of the free market. You Tell me, tell me any right that exists outside of property rights and you won't be able to find one. So you have no property rights in socialism. The government owns whatever it wants. Yeah, you can maybe keep a toothbrush, but who cares? You have no property rights, therefore you have no human rights. If you don't have property rights, you have zero right to life. You have zero right to life. Now, when I say you don't have property rights under socialism, I'm literally talking about you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. Playing Fortnite. Listen up. This is more important. You don't have property rights. But other people do. Who has property rights under socialism? The government. They have all the property rights. They can go take stuff. They can exercise control over entire industries. They can exercise control over entire prices, over goods and services flowing across a border, over what jobs you're allowed to have, what licenses you require, whether you're allowed to earn a living or not. You know, a third of Americans need a goddamn government piece of paper to earn a living. I think they're free. Think they have property rights? Think they have freedom of association and freedom of trade? No, they really, really don't. You don't have rights without property rights. And the more property rights the government exercises, the less right to life you have. And if you want to know the difference between socialism and the free market in terms of ideology, the free market is freedom, too. Socialism is freedom from. Freedom from consequences. Freedom from mistakes. Freedom from being fired. Freedom from having sex with the wrong guy and having three children by three different guys. Freedom from consequences. Which freedom from consequences is always other people being enslaved to fill in the void of your own stupidity and bad decision making. That's all it is. It's all it is. Why else does socialism do the opposite of working? Because there's this incredible symphony that happens in the free market the push and pull and supply and demand an incredibly complex, symphonious interweaving of supply and demand. What scarce resources should be applied to what personal requirements? You've got uh, a pound of coal that you pulled out of the ground. Where should it go? Here's the perfect answer. Nobody has a fucking clue where that pound of coal should go. Nobody has a fucking clue where that loaf of bread should go. Nobody has a clue where that gallon of oil should go. Nobody has a clue where that ton of steel should go. Nobody knows where it should go. How do you know where it goes in the free market, right? Nobody knows where it should go outside of price, right? Absent of price, right? Where, where does that pound of coal go? In the free market, well, it goes to where the demand is. Now, demands are easy. Everybody's got a demand. Everybody wants stuff. Everybody wants everything all the time for free. Of course, right? We want eternity. We want perfect health. We want infinite resources. We want everything all the time. I want it all. And and I want it now. This is the way human beings work. All animals, I think. So... What is it that tempers our insatiable black hole gut lust for infinite consumption? Trade. Trade. So someone has a loaf of bread and you have a dollar. And you can make that trade. Now maybe somebody else wants to spend dollar fifty, but they're far away and it would cost you resources to ship it there and you don't know who they are. So you just make this trade. Now, why wouldn't you want two loaves of bread? Because you only have one dollar. So you can buy a loaf of bread because somebody bought your services in the past and gave you a dollar for it. And that's the magic of the free market. You get this incredible information about real human desires. Real human desires. Unreal human desires are just pounding the table and wishing for an end to all group inequalities of outcome and and wanting no more mansplaining and whatever, right? I mean, those are just things that people wish for that have no meaning because they've got nothing at stake. They don't have to give anything up for what they claim they want, and therefore their wants are meaningless. Meaningless. If somebody doesn't have skin in the game, then what they say they want, I don't care. It's masturbatory. Well, it's worse than masturbatory, because at least that can help you with prostate cancer, right? So, you get this incredible symphony, continuing motion of supply and demand of real-time pricing. And real-time pricing is incredible. I, I played a game, oh gosh, this is way back in the day, called Necromancer on the Atari 800. It's actually a pretty good game. Pretty tough, real button masher. But... Necromancer is somebody who, who is a, a wizard who can bring the dead back to life and have them serve his needs. You know, he can raise the army of the undead and he can screw up all the endings of Game of Thrones known to man. It's a necromancer. Necro is of the dead, right? Necrophilia is sex with the dead or sexual attraction to the dead. Necro voting is the basis of leftist political power. So why am I talking about raising the debt? Because price has the capacity to raise dead resources and bring them to bear in the world. It's it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. So let's say there's a sudden demand for – I can can give you one of this. It's not a a free market demand, but there's a demand for uh, metal, right? So in the Second World War, there was a huge demand for metal in England because they needed to have new freighters, new – fighter planes, new new tanks, new guns, oh, and metal. So what they did, of course, was they, they, they went and ripped up a bunch of railings and turned railings into bombs and bullets and guns and all that. Now, in the free market, it has the capacity to raise dormant resources and bring them back to life. So let's say there's a shortage on computer equipment, and if you've Mess around with computers for a while, you usually have a bunch of stuff in the basement like old video cards, old sound cards, stuff that doesn't work anymore. I constantly try and recycle that stuff, um, sometimes with some effect, sometimes with good effect, sometimes with bad effect. But anyway, but let's say that there was a shortage of, of the gold and the copper or the wiring or whatever it is, and suddenly you could get 200 bucks for an old video card or an old sound card. Well, you're going to go down into the basement and you're going to go and get all this stuff. You're the only one who knows it's there. Central planners have no clue whether the video card you bought five years ago was thrown out or is in your basement. They have no clue. But if the price raise is high enough, you will go down and you will resurrect like a necromancer. The dead products unused. The study recently turns out in Canada, some places in Canada, forty percent of the stuff you think is being recycled is just going to the landfill, like with everything else. Of course, of course, if recycling made any environmental sense, people would pay you to come and pick it up. the The fact that nobody will pay to come and pick it up is how you know that it costs more energy to recycle than it does to just throw out. And it's terrible for the environment because it means it wastes resources coming to pick up stuff, and also it means because people think that they're recycling, they'll just use more crap, right? right they'll just oh this cups this this coffee cup's going to be recycled so i won't bring my own cup i'll just use theirs i can have all the bottled water i was recycled it's not recycled come on so it doesn't work because resources die and decay in the absence of high prices bringing them back to life and reinserting them back into the marketplace it's true of goods it's true of services too let's say that you're a um, an accountant and you retire and then suddenly for some reason the price of the demand for accountants doubles and the price of accounting goes way up, you might come out of retirement. It's worth it for you, right? If the price goes down, you're like, ah, oh, forget it. It's not worth it, right? Not worth even staying certified. It just can't possibly work. Because violence doesn't work. Violence does the opposite of working. Violence destroys. Violence dehumanizes. Violence turns those you manage into kind of like insects in your eyes. Like think of the the person in charge of the socialist economy and how they look at this begging, whining, whinging, complaining, terrified, angry, rebellious, seething mass of mob humanity that they have to somehow keep their grip over. Contempt, disgust. It's why they can end their lives or end their hopes or end their futures without without any conscience. It's why people can just move on from their horrible predictions. Oh, it's going to be great when socialism takes over in Venezuela. They just move on because those people aren't real to them. The people who are suffering aren't real to them. And how is it that the people who want those people in Venezuela to have great lives and freedom and have the potential that up until their last female socialist takeover a place like Chile had. Why? why? They don't care. They're not human to them. Because ideology dehumanizes. You can't see people as individuals anymore. You can only see them as part of some weird class structure. Their bourgeoisie, their relationship to the means of production is exploitive and thefty and steely and they're bad or they have white privilege and therefore they're bad. And then you have all of these people who come and say, I saw one's on Twitter today. I was talking about this on Twitter today. You should really follow me, at Stefan Molyneux. Finally passed 400,000, thanks, Jack. Took a while. It was like I was stuck at 399.9 for like, it felt like weeks, probably was. And then, you know, once I burst past, like in two days, I'm at 100.3. Anyway, but People saying, well, mass immigration is the result of the free market because people want cheaper wages. Well, of course people want cheaper wages. Of course employers want to pay people less. But so what? People want to make more and they negotiate and they balance. And if you want people to make more money, which I do, I think it would be wonderful if people added more value and made more money then what you should do is get the government the hell out of the educational system because it does no more good in the educational system than it does to the general economy, so that people can come out of 12 years of government education knowing more than how to put a big X where their name is, could actually have economic value, learn how to negotiate, learn how to be productive, learn what an economy is, learn how a business works. That way they could actually make money, more money. That would be helpful. They say, oh, mass immigration comes... No, it doesn't come from the free market because the vast majority of the costs are offloaded onto the taxpayers. There's a reason why Obamacare had to come into force because they couldn't sustain mass immigration, which they need, legal and illegal, for the support of the Democrat Party votes in America. They couldn't sustain that because the health care was too expensive because of other government crap. So they had to have Obamacare to shift the costs from the taxpayer. So shift the costs from the immigrants to the taxpayers so that people would keep coming in. If there's no welfare state, unproductive people can't make it in the society. They just can't. They just can't. What was in Switzerland I was reading? uh, 80%. 80% of the Somalis in Switzerland are on welfare. It's like 2.3% of the white population. It's less than 1% of the Japanese population, which, again, is all what IQ would predict and all that, but... The IQ topic is kind of boring now. I've been doing it for a while and it's kind of boring and I'm just going to wait until the science establishes it beyond any reasonable doubt because, you know, anyone who's got the brains enough to listen has already listened and other people won't listen until some facts come and even then some people won't listen. So they say, oh, mass immigration is a free market phenomenon. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a phenomenon of the welfare state. So well colonialism was a free market phenomenon, <laughs> God, how absolutely dumb and propagandized, which is kind of the same thing in effect. Do you have to be to think that colonialism was a free market phenomenon? That's uh, beyond astounding, beyond astounding. People were forced into the military. The military was forced to be paid. The average taxes went up in the colonial in the colonial powers, like the people who were inflicting the colonies on the rest of the world. It has been a mass disaster afterwards. If you look at the number of people in the former French colony of Algiers who poured into France, or people from uh, India and Pakistan pouring into the UK, and so, all it's a result of, of colonial, right? The, the, the problems of the colonies are still going on. How the hell did it benefit the average British sailor dying from scurvy on a vessel somewhere in the Indian Ocean that Queen Elizabeth or Queen Victoria was able to paint a third of the globe her color and have the sun never set on the British Empire? How did that guy, spitting out his teeth and dying from scurvy, because they hadn't figured out the vitamin C thing, that's where, where limey's came from. Like, limey's the name for the British people. And more more... More sailors in the British Navy died from scurvy than ever died from enemy combat or pirates or anything like that. How did, how did the average guy, grabbed off the street, thrown into a ship, forced to fight, dying of scurvy? Oh, he's like, wow, I, I'm really enjoying the free market here. This is just, it's so much freedom, I can't even tell you. Ah, slavery was part of the free market. No, slavery was a big giant government program. It's a big giant government program terrible. It's never going to work. It's going to always do the opposite of working. And I'll tell you this, like anybody who's still hanging on to the socialist thing, my view, immediate sociopath. Complete sociopath doesn't care about people, wants power, lusts for power, and is one of these right fighters, people who would rather be right than happy, right than honest, right than have integrity, right than be virtuous. They just want to be right. I don't want justice, which is equality of opportunity. I want social justice, which is equality of outcome. Equality of outcome is always tyranny in practice. Hey, you want to have a fair race? Put everyone at the beginning. Start, to start a pistol, and wherever people run to, they get to. You're free. Start, end, there you go. Let, let them run. You don't have to interfere. Let them run. You want to have a tyranny, then everyone's got to end up in the same place. Everyone's got to cross the finish line at the same time. You've got to adjust, and, you, oh, the fastest runner's got to run slower. Well, then the slower runners slow slower, so you've got to force them to speed up, and you got to then when they speed up, the faster runners want to go faster. You've got to control every step that everyone takes all the time, and that's a running race for God's sakes. A complex economy, you literally have to be batshit crazy to think that any individual or small group of individuals know better what people want and how they should live than. Tens or hundreds of billions of people in a geographical area—it's completely insane. It's completely insane. So, I just wanted to point that out. This is horrendous. I like—I probably take this stuff too personally, but I mean, I've done a whole bunch of shows on Venezuela. Um, I've never been to Venezuela. I've been to Nicaragua and and uh, Belize and. Uh, Brazil, of course, and um, other places in the somewhat in the vicinity, and you know it's it's terrible. It's it's not their fault. I mean, they're just average people trying to live their lives, and they're trying to survive under this giant crushing weight of an intellectual structure propagated by sociopaths who seek power or some kind of weird justification for their initial beliefs. And I just, it breaks my heart. Like, it, it, I literally cannot get these images out of my, it breaks my heart. Just how, how terrible their lives are and how little these supposed champions of the working class and anti-racists, how little they seem to care. They don't, doesn't, I don't think it troubles them at all. Michael Moore should get his fat fucking ass on a plane down to Venezuela with a giant camera crew. that he should finally start paying honestly and should do a show called What the Fuck Did I Get Wrong? That's what his next documentary should be. Get your fat ass on a plane. Get down there because you claim about, oh, I care about the working people and, and, and racism is terrible. Well, get your fat ass on a plane and get the hell down there. Set up your camera crew and film what the hell is going on down there. And as penance, get on your knees and read out all of your praise for Venezuela and socialism and beg for forgiveness from those you have sinned against. So, oh, what if we got to have a regime change in Venezuela? Hell no. God, no. Oh, no, no, please. Not more. Not more guns. You know, it's like that old line from Fight Club. We're a generation of men raised by women. I'm not sure that another woman is our solution. We're a generation staring down the barrel of a gun of debt and coercion and control. I'm not sure that another gun is what we need, whether it's pointed at someone in Venezuela or not. No, the Venezuelan socialist experiment was largely successful in achieving power because of the praise of all the goddamn socialists and socialist wannabes and socialist-leaning assholes in the West. The media, the news organizations, academia, the entertainment industry, you name it. The pundits, they all were praising this shit. A cultural revolution in the West, not another failed state regime change in Venezuela. I mean, you got to deal with the thousands and thousands of outright Marxists in American universities alone. I don't mean deal with violently. I just mean like, first of all, they should stop being paid by the government. And secondly, all honest people should shun anyone who has anything to do with these people. I mean, the idea that you need a regime change in Venezuela because there's too much socialism when you look at academia and the media and the entertainment industry in the West and say, well, see, the problem with socialism is that it's out there in Venezuela and that's really bad. It's like, why are you worried about the moat in another man's eye when you have a giant beam in yours? <sighs> and, and okay, one last thing. One last thing. And I'm sorry. I mean, I'll get to the questions. It's an unusually long rant, but has been building in me for a while. What? what? What is the source of the power that the state has in this context, in other contexts? What is the source of the power that the state has? The source of the power that the state has is not fundamentally political. It's not fundamentally coercive. Those are manifestations that deal with the outliers. But the fundamental issue with regards to state power, the fundamental susceptibility is that people will do almost anything than face the truth. Will do almost anything to face the truth. And so much of education, indoctrination, that the state runs all the way from pre-K to grad school is designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that's keep basic facts at bay so that if those facts ever make it through the matrix and into people's faces, people are like, ah! What the hell was that? You, you make things so weird and freaky, like they've never heard. It's all just keep facts at bay, keep facts at bay, keep facts at bay. Human biodiversity, race and IQ, differences between men and women. What freedom actually means, you keep all that stuff far away from people as far away as humanly possible. And should those facts ever leap out into people's faces, they recoil. They have no context in which to process these things. They have no mental machinery with which to digest anything that's outside the narrative. Keep that Overton window as... Narrow as the thigh gap of Rebel Wilson. Keep that really, really squished tight. And that way, anyone who speaks the truth, people have almost become allergic to the truth because they've become so addicted to lies. Now, if people are willing to hear the truth, then government power diminishes, state power diminishes. But if people continue to recoil from the truth, the state has all the power it needs. All the power it needs, which is why the state is so hostile and the mainstream media that supports the state, the corporate media that supports the state, and sometimes it's directly paid by the state, is so hostile to anyone who brings basic truths to the people because that's going to stretch and move the Overton window to the point where the Overton window closes so people are fundamentally emotionally allergic to the truth and they just bay and react and, you know, it's like silver to a werewolf, right, or sunlight to a vampire or Reason to a leftist. I mean, it burns! It's like holy water, right? So, just that's the the whole point. So, if people are willing to manage their anxiety and look at the truth, state power can collapse relatively fast. All right. (sighs) Thank you, my friends, for letting me get that off my chest. And, uh... oh, yeah, these people. Stefan needs to talk to an actual socialist like Richard Wolf. He has no idea what it is. Yeah, get lost. Get lost. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, I've never studied it at all. I have no idea. I've never read any socialist literature. I've never taken entire courses in socialism. I've never been taught by a Marxist. I've never learned anything. You can go through your entire life in the socialist-infested West and never get the first clue about socialism. He doesn't know. It's not real socialism. Get lost. Get lost. Show me some fucking respect. Jesus, I've been doing this 15 years, I've been studying this stuff 35 years, I've been doing this publicly 15 years, I've studied, I've I've talked to economists, I've read countless books, I've debated, I mean, Jesus Christ. Oh, nothing. socialism has nothing to do with the state or state ownership. No, nothing. Just that every single time it manifests, it happens to take that form. It's a weird coincidence. Nothing to do with it nothing to do with it. Well, if it has nothing to do with the state or state ownership, then it ain't socialism. Because socialism is state coercive control. Well, in the extreme form over the means of production, in other words, over currency or, or interest rates or significant portions of people's income, it is coercive control over property that is stolen. And yes, currency production, currency printing, Control over interest rates is just another form of theft, like counterfeiting. Well, it is counterfeiting. So, this, oh, yes, well, Steph doesn't have any clue what socialism's all about. He's going to talk to a real socialist because he doesn't have any clue what socialism's all about. Oh, God almighty. Dunning Kruger. Dunning Kruger. People who are stupid think that I don't know anything. Huh? Oh, my gosh. All right. Let me get to the old super chats. That one wasn't a super chat. So, hey, sometimes you'll get it, right? Anthony says, hey, Anthony, better off moving or schooling. Parents are toxic. I don't know what you mean by schooling. Do you mean going to pay to be indoctrinated by idiots uh, who are going to overcharge you for misinformation? No. No. And, yeah, if your parents are toxic, hey, you only have one life to live. Uh, the, uh, uh, John says, uh, when all else fails, a pig-headed refusal to look at facts to look facts in the face will see us through. All right. B.L. Parak says, the left has no real empathy. The left can't understand an argument unless you relate it to them or a family member. Basil? Basil? says, Steph, can you do a USA versus Canadian gun laws video at some point in time, preferably soon? People are so uneducated in that topic. I would say that if you can give me a philosophical angle, sure, but I'm not just going to sit there and do uh, a point-by-point comparison. I'm, I'm really, really focused on can I get some philosophical content out of what it is that I'm doing. T. Sky says, thank you for your support. He says, not that, I say that. He says, I may not always agree with you, but you remind me every day that a little thinking can go a long way. Thanks for that. I appreciate the donation, and here's my little bit of wisdom to you, my friend. Please don't agree with me. Please don't don't agree with me or disagree with me. Don't. Accept the arguments because they're valid. Reject the arguments and hopefully instruct me on why if they're invalid. Give me better data if I've got the wrong data, but don't agree with me. So all I don't agree is, like, what the hell? What is agreeing with me? What has that got to do with anything? 2 plus 2 is 4. Well, I don't agree with you. It's like, what what do I have to do with it? Just does 2 and 2 make 4? All right. 30th April. Sorry. (laughs) That's the date. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just, I'm apparently, I'm just a a text-to-voice machine at the moment. Leon, hey, how is this, how cool is this? Oh, my gosh, Leon. So, update from your former furry caller. Oh, my gosh. So, this, oh, my gosh. North American river otter. So, this is a guy from back in the day. I did a, uh, a show With him, a a conversation with him. And I've got some great ones coming out, by the way. Um, But I did a conversation with him. I'm going to get the title for you, my friends. And uh, he had a furry fetish, um, which is dressing up as a North American river otter, if I remember rightly. And um, the shocking furry fandom conversation. Yes, really. 16th October 2017. Wow. Not even two years ago. So the Shocking Furry Fandom Conversation from 16th October 2017. And um, that's quite the thumbnail. (laughs) Anyway, so I assume that's you. So he says, update from your former furry caller. And we had a great conversation about it. He says, wife is a virtuous, wholesome woman. My little lad is almost two months old, not circumcised, and we're raising him peacefully. Want another conversation. LDS understanding of deity. You have definitely earned another conversation, my friend. How wonderful to hear that you are happily married, that you've got a boy, almost two months old, who's not circumcised. You're raising him peacefully. Mwah. Hats off to you, man. Um, I uh, I can't give you the furry thing. Um, chest hair is not maximum. Hang on, let me see here. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit in here. Uh, but uh, I can uh, not give you the furry. Maybe a little on the chin, but I can give you my massive congratulations and. Huge appreciation for giving me that feedback. That is wonderful and great job. John Sprott says, love you, man. Love you back. Thank you for your support. Anthony again says, BA in philosophy or explore the world. I'm 29. Explore the world, in my humble opinion. Uh, Can Indian says, thank you, very kind support. You talk a lot about race and IQ. Assuming IQ is genetic and largely Euro-North Asian dominated, Should it not then be beneficial and logical to spread Euro and North Asian genes through sub-Saharan Africa and others, for example, through polygamy or other strategy, ethics aside? See, here's the thing. Low IQ is not a problem. It's not something to be fixed. It is not a catastrophe that needs to be solved or anything like that. That doesn't mean, of course, that low IQ functions well in a high IQ society or that high IQ functions well in a low IQ society. There's nothing wrong with low IQ. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. And uh, so I don't think that it needs to be fixed. I don't think that we need to do any kind of horrible eugenics or state-based experiment, which would be immoral and destructive and ghastly and hideous and so on. So, uh, no, I I don't know. Beneficial and logical to spread genes through sub-Saharan Africa and others. Uh, I don't see any ethical way <laughs> to do that, and I wouldn't support it in any way, shape, or form. All right. Gladium Spiritus says, should I keep walking, working a job I hate? I think to ask that question is to answer it. I'm not sure <laughs> why you would. Clark Smith, what are your favorite books? Is there one book that really made a difference in your life? Ooh, many. Many, 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 many. Um. Actually, I just did this the other day. I think it's a sort of top couple of books. I I love the Russians. Love the Russians. So, I mean, The Fountainhead, The Shrugged, were very influential to me. Crime and Punishment, which I first started reading when I was, believe it or not, I mean, I was 12. Um, I didn't make it all the way through, but then I read it straight in like a 20-hour period. It was an incredible experience. I still remember sitting on this rally couch in a student apartment uh, reading that book start to end. Uh, I, I like some Dickens. Some Dickens. Dickens is either great or like *The Tale of Two Cities*. I've never made it through, but some Dickens. David Copperfield is great. Um, I really like *Great Expectations*. It's a wonderful novel, and um, so uh, and *Oliver Twist* really broke my heart as a kid. You know when? Well, it's not spoilers, but anyway, when when there's that misunderstanding and the the guy thinks that Oliver uh, Oliver Twist uh, uh, ran off with his stuff when he was actually kidnapped by Fagin, and I mean it's just uh, uh, broke my heart. So. Uh, great. Uh, I did Togenev's Fathers and Sons. I actually ad- adapted to a play I called Seduction, which I produced and directed in Toronto uh, on stage. Uh, and uh, it was a wonderful experience to, to do that and um, had a great time working with the actors. One of the first times I ever had to fire someone. Um, I had to fire an actor because he was just so affected and just didn't understand how to, you know, just talk like a normal human being. And so, um, I, and then a friend of mine, I'd based I'd based the character on him, and he actually stepped in to play the role, which he had no acting experience, but he's actually pretty good. So, uh, is there one book that really made a difference in your life? I will. I mean, I hate to say this, but it was the books that I wrote myself that made the most difference in my life. And the book that I wrote, which I'll never publish, I don't think, uh, which is called Crazy Talk, is the book of my. Therapy, journal notes, all of the incre- – like I, I, when I was in therapy, I erupted into – that's why I got this idea of the ecosystem. When I was doing therapy, I erupted into a whole series of dialogues with myself. I had all of these different characters who would recur both in dreams and and I would end up having to these incredibly deep and powerful debates with aspects of myself that were new and, and I still have to negotiate with from time to time. And so – Because I'm not a single entity, so to speak, and and this doesn't sound. This is not woo-woo. This is all very well established. This is not, you know, I'm I am a multiplicity. I'm contradictions and so on. I have a variety of different perspectives. I'm ambivalent about a lot of things, and I can see a lot of different sides of the same angle, which is, I think, an educated and intelligent approach to life. But I was in ferocious debates with myself about compassion versus integrity, about ethics or justice versus um, compassion and what it meant to have values and how manifested those values should be in your life and these incredibly deep and ferocious debates that went on. I was in therapy for quite a long time. I dropped like $20,000 on therapy, which was some of the best money I'd ever spent in my life. But it it was expensive and it was a struggle. So that book... Of my therapy journal was definitely the book that changed me the most. So, and that's why I, I'm somewhat immune to self attack. Right, a lot of criticism out there. And as long as I'm okay with my conscience, I could give a shit what other people say. All right. So, um, T.J. Jensen said I went and I, I read Ayn Rand, I went from teaching to a steel mill. Did I make a mistake? When, if you couldn't teach with integrity, you'll have more integrity in the steel mill. Uh, and on. And on, I guess, says, how does intellectual property fit into voluntarism? People arrive at the same solutions independently all the time. Um, Jeff Tucker, who I believe has disavowed me now, we were friends for a time, and I, he's, uh, I think, he, he, well, he is a Christian, and he believes, I think, that I have fallen into egregious error by accepting the basic science of human biodiversity. I think. As a good Christian, he should call me up and reason with me out of my error. But instead, I think he's just withdrawn and, and is um, disavowing me left, right, and center. We're trying to get uh, a debate on nationalism versus open borders going at a libertarian conference. But everybody's... I'm not going to go through the list, but everybody's backing off and backing away and won't... Well, just won't debate me. They won't come out to play. It's really a shame. But... Um, He's uh, to be fair. Jeff Tucker uh, has a great uh, series of great articles on intellectual property, and you also want to read Stefan Kinsellas. That's S T E P H E N, I think. K I N S E L L A. Stefan's Kinsella's uh, book. It's free, I think, uh, on intellectual property and so on. Um, it's not like intellectual property is whatever you negotiate and can contract for in voluntarism. So that's uh, all right. Uh, Corey Jones says, "Stefan, love the videos. You are incredibly wise. Do you believe the USA is headed into civil war? Also, your thoughts on private ownership of firearms? Well, of course everybody should be able to own firearms. I mean, I don't care what people own as far as weaponry goes. And um, the ownership of a gun is not a violation of the non-aggression principle. So, uh, do I believe the USA is headed into a civil war? Well, and not just the USA um but uh, macron came out recently and was talking about radical uh, islamism in uh france and saying some things that uh if he wasn't macron would be considered i'm sure hate speech or something but um well if if nothing listen i mean if we don't if we don't wake the fuck up if we don't start having challenging conversations if we don't confront the living hell out of people in our lives Yes, the USA is headed into a civil war. Of course it is. Of course it is. I mean, the only way to avert it is to have really powerful, deep, consequential conversations with people in your life. I've said this way back in the day. My first big speech was in New Hampshire called How to Win Political Arguments. You can find it on YouTube where I introduced the against me argument, which is if people support the use of violence against you, they're no friends of yours and they're going to be ending up lining up the sides of the other people if we're dragged off to camp. So it's up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to you. It's up to what you're willing to stand up for in your life. Because I'll tell you this, it's a hell of a lot easier to have difficult conversations than to get drafted into a civil war. It's a hell of a lot easier to live with the regret of people who won't listen to reason, who may kick you out or abandon you or or reject you, than it is to kick yourself um, if you're in some camp somewhere, because there's a lot of people in, on the left, they absolutely want to put us in camps. They absolutely want to, and that may just be the start of it. There's no question of that. I mean, they, everybody's a Nazi, and you can punch Nazis, and they have withdrawn the ban on the use of force. Right? They've, they're willing to violate the non-aggression principle based upon ideology that always leads to civil war. Dog Eater says, Hey, Steph, ever been to the app? No idea. Shayna says, I just want to say I highly disagree with a lot. Not all of your opinions on things, but I like that about your videos and I find you interesting. <laughs> oh, Shayna. Oh, Shayna. What can I say? They're not opinions. <laughs> I don't care about being interesting, other than it might help make facts transmit easier. Disagree with my opinions on things. I'm making rational arguments. They're either valid or they're invalid. I'm bringing reason and evidence to bear on complex problems. I'm either successful or unsuccessful. I have consistency and integrity or I don't. Forget about my opinions and forget about whether you disagree with me or not. Forget about me. I'm not important. The arguments matter. Marusia Darko. It's a familiar name. Okay, we should crowdfund a week-long trip for the Bernies and the AOCs of the world to live a week in Venezuelan slums and then another on the Mexican border. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing, right? I mean... There were a lot of people. A lot of socialists and communists took a trek to Moscow. I wrote a poem about this when I was twenty. They had this long trek to Moscow, this pilgrimage to go and worship at the feet of of Lenin and then Stalin and so on. And they, they, you would not be, you would not believe how easy it is for people to simply disregard empirical facts right there in front of your face, right, right there in front of your face. I mean, there are there are articles out there where people have gone through all of this uh, alternative media stuff and they've completely unchanged with all the facts, reason, and evidence that's in there. People can ignore, right, because they'll just, they'll just blame for capitalism. They'll just blame U.S. foreign policy. Like, oh, the only reason Venezuela is doing badly is, is, is because America's got a boycott. Oh, it's like, come on. Like, America's the only country you can trade with, and that's the only reason. Come on. It's just, you know, they'll just blame something else or whatever, right? Joe Kuchapsky says, I think Trump is a lost cause. A coup in Venezuela trying to go to war with Iran and making Israel great again, it seems. Yeah, but he's trying to push for the Muslim Brotherhood to be deemed a terrorist organization. So, you know, with Trump, uh, it's always um, have something decent to eat and then hold your nose for the next bite, which is going to taste like crap. So. Leo Owen says, I don't care to engage in rhetoric-filled discussions. Living a principled life of non-aggression is all that I desire at this point. Surely, I, I think that's wonderful. But if you're surrounded by people coughing up leprosy into your ventilation system, saying that you just want to breathe clean air may not be a particularly wise or sustainable decision. Uh, John says, hi, Steph, can you touch on the fact that Venezuela is now considering Bitcoin and Litecoin as legal tender? Taste of things to come globally. Well, of course, everybody uh, and their dog who's got half a brain wants to peel countries and entire geographical regions off central banking. But it's a highly dangerous thing to do. It's a highly dangerous thing to do to attempt to get out of the central banking criminal racket. I mean, pretty good arguments that this is what brought down Gaddafi, that he wanted to get a gold-backed currency, that this is what brought down Saddam Hussein, that he wanted to get an oil-backed currency that got him free of the petrodollar. And uh, this is a huge criminal organization and enterprise that masks itself as central banking and... uh you know, uh, if there is regime change, I would assume fundamentally that it has more to do if they're thinking of ditching central banking and going with uh, a cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and so on, then if there's an invasion, I will simply assume that it has to do with the fact that they're trying to get out of central banking rather than uh, anything else. Tiffany says, I sent an email Friday regarding being a successful businesswoman who just turned 30. I heard you say on live stream to keep pinging you. I hope to eventually catch you. Free to speak. Message you on Skype. All right. Uh, we will make a date for this this Friday. Okay, just send me when you're available and make sure I have your Skype ID. I apologize and thank you very much. I want to reward this kind of persistence. Uh, I am doing – it's funny. I'm actually doing more hours of call-ins, uh, of, of listener convos uh, a week now than when I used to do the show. But it's easier because I have more breaks between them. All right. Uh, Drew Tasey says, protect our Second Amendment. Do not think it can't happen here. Drew. Oh it's funny, you know i just I just kicked this the the base of the mic stand, and it just reminded me I left this in um when I talk about Plato and the forms his his answer was the forms. I actually hit the microphone stand, and you can hear this forms a big bass noise in the background, but I left it in because I thought it was kind of cool. Krepsi K says, said it before, thank you, had 10 out of 10 childhood score. Oh, that's the Adverse Childhood Experience score, which is very good. I don't agree with all of it, but it's a very good place to start. You can look it up. It's Adverse Childhood Experience score developed by Dr. Vincent Felitti, who I interviewed probably 12 years ago um, as part of the Bomb in the Brain series. Uh, good to know. I'm doing well. How can I get on this show? Just uh, send uh, me in. What you want to talk about? Uh, Marushia says I made a video rebutting your comments from previous live stream on Trump's Gambit. Here's hoping you will take a look and let me know what you think. I will. I assume that this is you on YouTube, so thank you. Alright. Joshua R. Poulson. Poulson. His name was Robert Poulson. Sure convenient to give a speech on the USS Harry Truman four hours before it goes south to South America. Hmm. Jizz Jizz the eunuch. Sorry, (laughs) Jizz the eunuch. (laughs) Worst Stormy Daniels movie ever. Um, Yiz says I'm poor but you make my life better have $2. two dollars two dollars thank you Lucy Truth says would you be on my YouTube channel Voher Vohers on next week libertarian interviews metaphysics and scientific discussion uh, I have to say that I will go and have a look um, you do have to have a certain number of subscribers I don't mean to say I'm like I'm too big for it or anything like that but um, the time is valuable right oh wait sorry we did back a little bit all right I'm not going to go too late tonight because I have something to do somewhat early in the morning. Let me just see here. All right. Philip Fry says, thanks for all you do. You change lives. I appreciate that. Um, But um, the diet book doesn't lose the weight for you. People have to make the choice themselves. Really been debating therapy lately. Only have two on the Adverse Childhood Experience score but have been struggling with near-continuous negative thoughts. Already understand why. Will talking it out really help? I think so. And... This is going back away. It's, I guess, or um, well, you should check out my Poland documentary. I'm just, because I'm now thinking it's podcast FDR1939, how to find a good therapist, in my opinion. So, yes. Um, a good therapist can be, can be great. And um, even if you've got a good childhood experience, we're still free thinkers struggling to survive in a world that is often and sometimes increasingly hostile to reason. So it's very, very tough. All right. Um, thoughts on Theresa May dealing with Brexit? I mean, she's, I mean, I don't know, just, I hate to say sort of watch her dancing, but it tells you a lot about someone that um, she really is goofy. And you'd, you'd be really surprised. And there are some exceptions to this. But you'd be really surprised just how not smart leaders are. We really, really surprised. Just they're not very smart, and it takes a certain lack of intelligence to think you can run a country. Again, I mean, I know Trump is very smart, and I, I get all of that. And his the most anti-communist president, even including Ronald Reagan. His mentor was it Ray Cohn, was uh, involved with. Um, was it Nixon and uh, McCarthy trying to root out communists in Hollywood so it's another reason why the left hates him so much is because they get all of this stuff that they deny the history of everyone else to understand but most most leaders are not that smart and I remember this even in the business world and we'd have business leaders they're just, they're confident and they're glib and they have a lot of, sometimes a lot of charisma not so much Theresa May but um, they're really not that smart for the most part, and uh, you can see this i mean and and there's no incentive right why why would she want to deal with brexit uh, um the the european Union is is monstrous and uh they can make your life very difficult and they can cause a lot of problems and why would you want to deal with that just right all right Michael Conway, thank you for your support uh somebody says here um. Can uh, Indian says, I'm sorry my earlier question about IQ was somewhat clumsy, character limit, record I was not implying state involvement, just a thought experiment. I'm a big fan, respect, thanks for all you do. Well, I mean, when it comes to the IQ stuff, I mean, the Japanese, you can see uh, see um, Stephen Hsu's work on this, HSU. Uh, I mean, the Japanese are just, I mean, they're all in, they're all over the place with this kind of, they've got CRISPR gene editing, they're trying to work on producing IQ 200 babies, they're uh, merging um, a human Intelligence DNA with monkeys. I mean that. I mean so we can do all of this kind of stuff, but um, um, we we can well, we we can't because it offends certain groups in society and so on, and and so we we can't have honest conversations about this kind of stuff for the most part. All right. Um. So Adam Davidson says anything by Solzhenitsyn that should get attention, like the Gulag Archipel- Archipelago, but doesn't. Uh, two hundred years together. The Architect of Fate says, do you possibly have a need to employ an L3 audio-video technician specializing in global video conferencing? I'd love to get out of a city called Silicon Valley. That's interesting. You know, I mean, I've worked with a variety of people over the years, and I worked with Mike for five years, which was a great privilege and and a great uh, and enjoyable thing to do and a wonderful experience. And um, it's tough, though. Let me tell you what the issue is. So I'm, I'm sure you know this kind of stuff, right? So when I produce you know, like, like Plato, right? I mean, the Plato video file was like 70 gigs. It was four hours, 1080p, 60 frames a second, LPCM audio, like maximum. I just, because to me, it's for the ages. I want it to be as high quality as possible. Now, transferring those files would just take forever. And so sending the files to someone else to work on and then having them work on it, and then sending, getting it back, it just puts in this massive multi, and sometimes many day delay on it. And then you've got version control issues. And then I need double the backup storage, if I'm going to keep the files, because I need the original, then I need the copy, and I've got to review everything. And it's just really, really hard to have anybody uh, uh, off site working on stuff. And so uh, that's that's sort of an issue. All right. Marusha Dark says, These days I fear Brave New World more than 1984. Jake the Dark says, How can I get smarter? Well, um you I mean, you can't get an increase, to my knowledge, much of G or sort of raw general intelligence. But who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I mean, you know, there's this old gosh, this is way, it's way going back, right? So Back before Harrison Ford was a hypocritical, environmental-obsessed douchebag who lectures the world on climate change and reducing carbon footprints while also bragging that he likes to fly one of his ten fucking planes up the coast to get a cheeseburger, lives in a giant mansion, and also has motorcycles. I mean, come on, let's just fuck off. Um, just shut up and act, you douchebags. And, um, but uh, this is way back in one of the—I think it was a second Indiana Jones movie— not the third one, which was pretty good, but the second one, which wasn't, where this guy... Is it the first one? It doesn't matter. Yeah, the first one. The guy comes out. There was supposed to be this big sword fighting scene in in an Arabic marketplace, and Harrison Ford had a cold, and he just made this joke where he pulled out and shot the guy, and Spielberg liked it so much they kept it in the movie. So you say, oh, you know, how can I become better at sword play? It's like, I don't know, get a gun, you know, in, in the analogy is... You can't get smarter, but you can get more rational. And being more rational is way better than being smarter. Because reason equals virtue equals happiness. Intelligence does not equal. Reason does not equal virtue, does not equal happiness. Smart people are not substantially happier than less smart people. But rational people tend to be the happiest of all. So forget about getting smarter. I can't get smarter, you can't get smarter really, but we can become a whole lot more rational. And that's to do with wisdom. Architect of Fate says, is it possible that culture has more impact on genetics than genetics on IQ? I haven't found any recent in-depth studies on the topic. Uh, No, it's not really possible according to all of the information that has been produced. So, I mean, I hate to give you the big whack of videos, but if you go to fdrurl.com forward slash IQ, you can see my 18 interviews with the world's leading experts on... IQ and, uh, no, uh, environment has very little effect on, on IQ. It has some, but very little It's a whole. It tends to be 80% genetic by our late teens, and um, so there's 20% uh, environment and culture. And, again, IQ, who cares? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. What matters is how rational you are, and philosophy can, can make everyone more rational. Right. The, the, the people in Venezuela could be far wiser and more rational than, than the people in North America, despite some average IQ differences, if people were giving them information. Right? Anyway, could the IQ issue be related to lack of nutrition? Um, well, sure. yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. In, insofar as height can be related to a lack of nutrition. But once you have your bare minimum nutrition... IQ doesn't seem to, like you can't budget upwards. So you you can do things to lower IQ. You can traumatize the hell out of children. Uh, you can starve them. You can beat them. And, and that's going to lower their IQ in, in some circumstances. But you can't raise it uh, above. like More food doesn't make you tall. It just makes you fatter, right? And there has been examples of Korean kids who were raised in absolute starvation situations who grew up to have perfectly normal IQs There are also kids, uh, I think it was in Finland, uh, shortly after the Second World War, they were raised in starvation situations. The brain will take every ounce of energy that you get and apply it to your brain, and they had normal intelligence, so it doesn't really seem to be the case. Donut Guard says, Stefan, how about a truth about the Lion King video since the new CGI version just came out? It's anti-communist, anti-open border, and the hyenas clearly represent third-world hordes. (laughs) It's interesting. Uh, That means putting my face into a Disney production, which is pretty rough, but I'll think about it. Thank you. Lee Owen says, I'm encouraged to see Sargon of Akkad entering politics. I hope to see the voices of YouTube's, like yourself, and others announce political campaigns so that we can do more than upvote your videos. Is it in your future? Just watch my presentation on Plato. Uh, Arminius Kalgaka says, take a deep breath and say, fuck socialism and communism, perhaps. Uh, Slavy McSlaverson says, Is a little bit of taxation still theft? And would any legitimate libertarian say otherwise? I'm reminded of something that Harry Brown used to say with regards to the voluntarism versus libertarian debate. He said, well, we'll get government down to the size of something we can put in a bathtub. Then we'll rent a big giant stadium and have a debate about how much smaller it should get. But let's get it smaller first. Garrett Townsend says, I've been watching your video Oh, your Plato video in parts Incredible and enlightening. Now I want to know your theory of UPB and art. Thanks for the info and keep up the good work. Thank you. All right. Well, I think we'll keep it relatively short tonight. I really just wanted to touch base with you wonderful people before the, uh, the end of the month. Uh, Friedrich von Ziegler Schickeldorf says, Thanks for your work. Have you ever read anything by recently deceased writer V.S. Naipaul? I have. I have read something by V.S. Naipaul. I can't, it's not, uh, this is not um, a suitable boy guy, no um, I have and I, I can't honestly remember it now so I apologize for that. Depictions of certain races in his fiction and non-fiction books was often slammed as bigoted. Oh, I don't care about any of that stuff I don't care about any of that stuff. I mean if if nobody's talking about how white males are portrayed as racist weird goofs and, and incompetent, I don't care I don't. I don't care about any of that stuff Mountain Man Review says, I took the IQ test you shared on Twitter and I got 75 and it was certain I had a PhD. <laughs> it's not an IQ test. I just happened to um, find some sort of test that I ran through. It was 100 questions. I got 96 of them right. And um, I, unfortunately, with 100 questions, you tend to hurry a little bit. I probably could have got 98. That sounds kind of goofy. But yeah. So anyway, it was, you can see it on my Twitter feed. You handsome, racist, blue-eyed demon, says Tom Youngjun. Well... You know, three out of five ain't bad. Uh, Yes, I am persistent, says Tiffany. I think this helped to business success. Sent you my availability in email just now. Sent a message on Skype. Fantastic. All right. Joshua Huffman says, hey, Steph, I recently had my third baby and I've been looking into the potential harms of vaccines. In my state, we have one out of 35 kids diagnosed with autism. Have you ever looked at any of the vaccine safety studies? Ever think about doing a video on it? Yes, I have. Uh, I certainly have thought about doing a video on vaccines, but I'm not going to. And the reason for that is that's real close to medical knowledge and medical opinions, and I'm not a doctor. And so um, I don't see that. And, of course, there's so many people who've been doing so much work on this that I'm not sure I'm necessary for it. I try to sort of, you know, if, if it's been done, I don't want to say done to death. That sounds bad when it comes to health issues. But if it has been done a lot, I generally will not, unless I have something really significant to add, which I don't think in this area I would. I tend to avoid. All right. Dane Madsen says, plans for the truth about Nietzsche and Kant. Well, the truth about Nietzsche would be really complicated because he's kind of a disco ball. But yes, I already have the first draft of a presentation, the truth about Kant, which is going to be really, really great. Michael Conway says, what do you do if and when the Democrats retake the White House? What do you have to see before you pack up the kids and go abroad? Where to go? Well, the Democrats are going to retake the White House unless something really radical happens with immigration. Because they're importing people who vote for them. So you may want to have a, a, a plan uh, somewhere to go, Central Europe, um, Eastern Europe, someplace. Uh, there could be any number of things. I, I can't really tell well, people where to go, but uh, you know, keep your eye on the exit. Uh, Kuki says, I'm thinking of mailing my copy of The Art of the Argument to an acquaintance online. He can't afford the book right now, but I just want to let you know that I'd like to help spread your work. Thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate that. And it's theartoftheargument.com. It's a great book. It's the one I charge for. Everything else is free. You can get them free books at freedomainradio.com forward slash free. Machiavellis sucks says, hello, good show. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, and uh, it's a great pleasure to to have you come by. All right. Let me just have a quick look in here, and let me see here. Hi, Stefan, I really enjoy your content. Thank you. When was the last time you read the New Testament? Oh, I read the whole Bible when I worked up north. I have not read the New Testament in quite some time. Someone says, I didn't like the book, Art of the Argument. I guess you might want to read it again if you think I didn't like is an argument. Um, You could say it was incorrect in this area, or something like that. Repeal the 19th, or we'll go the way of the Dodos. Yeah, let's see. Um, Yeah, not in agreement, but whatever, whatever. All right, so let's see if there's anything else that I can. Truth about Freud. Yes, I will continue to work on that. And uh, yeah, Notre Dame. Someone says, I've been feeling the power of Christ lately since Notre Dame. I feel like I am on fire. Make Christians great again. Yeah, it's uh, it's terrible. And so I said this on Twitter. The big battle is between the universalist ethics of Christianity and the in-group, quote, ethics of other religions and ideologies. It's pretty bad. Um, it's a very, very big, important uh, fight right now. So let's see here. Oh, yeah, that's an old joke. Oh, yeah, it's Funny how many, oh, Plato sounds like Plato. Yeah, no one ever noticed that before. Just, you know, you might want to scroll through the comments before you try and make jokes you think are are interesting. Uh, Steph, have you read Stephen King's On Writing? I'd love to hear you analyze his background. It's fascinating. I actually did. I read Stephen King's book On Writing, gosh, um, more than 20 years ago. And I actually sent him a thank you note for it because after I read Stephen King's book On Writing, which is a very good book, um I got uh, some significant success in writing, so it's a it's a good book all right all right all right. let me just see here lots of interesting stuff there. The brain transplant can raise the i.q if the patient <laughs> survives sorry. Read The Virtue of Selfishness by Ayn Rand. There's a free audiobook here on YouTube, only six hours long. It's a very good book. It's the kind of book that, if you get it from the title, it's well worth a read. And um, let's see here. All right. Well, I'm going to, it's a, very tempting to go through all everybody's wonderful messages uh, and exciting messages and occasionally not so wonderful messages. But um, thank you, everyone, of course, so much. It is the end of the month. Close to the end of the month. Yeah. Well, it's really close to the end of the month because it's the 30th and it's close to 11 p.m. So thanks, everyone, of course, so much for a wonderful conversation this evening. I really, really appreciate everyone's feedback. It's great to see the thousands of people who drop by. I appreciate that, too. And uh, it's interesting, too. I just want to mention this. So I did something the other day. I've never done it before, which is kind of weird because I should have. But what I did was I looked up a variety of mainstream media outlets and looked at their Twitter engagement. If you want to understand some of their hostility to the alternative media, look at the corporate media's engagement relative to their claims of how many people subscribe to them. It's uh, kind of revealing. So, freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. Please, please help out. Also, uh, freedomainradio.com, I've started doing a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up for. It's uh, going to go out, of course, every month. Sorry, that was kind of redundant. And... um, um, it'll be full of interesting tidbits and other things which I won't put in the show so you can get that at freedomainradio.com again freedomainradio.com forward slash donate please help out uh, YouTube views are still a challenge um, the um, the algorithm seems to be recommending very old shows which is not bad for some but not great for current events so if you could help out uh, it, would, uh, it would certainly help me um, relax a little bit uh, because it is a, a bit of a challenge uh, right now uh, keeping the views up I'm working hard but um, that would uh, help if you go to freedomainradio.com forward slash donate. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful evening, my friends. I love you guys to death. Thank you for all of your support and all of the wonderful stuff that has happened and is going to continue to happen. I'm not stopping or slowing down over the last 15 years and hopefully the next 30 plus to come. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Love you guys to death. Talk to you soon.